Welcome to the Missouri City View podcast hosted by the Missouri Municipal League. I'm Laura Holloway, your host for today. In this podcast, we share the latest news happening in Missouri local government and highlight the local officials and city employees who make Missouri municipalities a great place to live. Keep up with the latest information for Missouri cities and learn more about MML at MoCities.com. Now on to the podcast. In this episode of the MML City View podcast, we review the legal considerations after the passage of Amendment 3 in Missouri, which legalized recreational marijuana. Our guest today is Todd Smith. Todd is an associate attorney in Lauber Municipal Law's Jefferson City office. He is a graduate of Drake University Law School and holds an LLM in law and government from the American University. He has extensive experience with drug task force cases and presently prosecutes for the city of Sedalia. Welcome, Todd. Thank you very much for allowing me to be here today. Well, we appreciate you being here. Can you tell us first a little bit about Amendment 3 and what that means for cities? Sure. Amendment 3 was a voter initiative to amend the Missouri Constitution to allow for broad recreational use of marijuana, and that is as distinguished from medical marijuana, where a person needed to have a medical certification and go through some hoops in order to do it. Um, This new amendment allows anyone over the age of 21, under various circumstances, to possess and consume marijuana. So how popular was it when that was proposed last November? It passed with 53% of the vote. I I was personally sort of surprised by that. It only passed in the very large counties. The vast majority of Missouri communities and counties did not pass it, um, but it did pass and it's on the books and has already effective as of this date. So what exactly does this amendment make legal? So under the amendment, a uh, a Missourian over the age of 21 can now possess up to three ounces of marijuana. You can smoke that marijuana in various locations. You don't need a permit or a special certification or any sort of medical documentation to do that. Um, By comparison, prior to this, under Missouri law, possession of any amount of marijuana was illegal Um, Anything over 35 grams is a felony, a defelony. This is approximately two and a half times that amount. So what would have normally landed you in jail in a felony case is now perfectly legal. You can grow marijuana at home. You need to have a permit to do that. But if you want to have self-cultivation, you can. And there's a sort of an elaborate uh, system of regulation for the dispensaries for recreational marijuana and the related supporting businesses. This is things like cultivators, the companies that transport marijuana, approximately similar to what was in place for medical marijuana, which we had on the books for some time. There's now a corresponding group of regulations and procedures for the recreational version. I mean, this is a big shift. Um, Lots of changes. What is now illegal? What can they not do? So you're not allowed to smoke in public. The amendment makes that uh, plain. So you're not going to be able to walk down the street and smoke a joint. Um, You cannot be under the age of 21 and possess or use marijuana. And the amendment, it doesn't give a lot of guidance, but it makes clear nothing in the amendment will allow you to smoke marijuana while driving. And in my opinion, that will be one of the major concerns for every community, large and small, will be an increase in, in folks using marijuana and then driving, just like Drunk driving is probably the most commonly occurring serious type crime in Missouri law enforcement. There will now presumably be a corresponding amount of folks driving while high. Uh, The amendment plainly says you cannot do that. It doesn't give a lot of specifics. It doesn't have a lot of guidance about how that's supposed to work, but it does expressly say this does not permit driving while uh, under the influence of marijuana. 
So we really don't know at this point, though, like, as you mentioned, how they could determine that or enforce that. What kind of changes can, you know, can we expect? So um, one of the difficulties in in, in dealing with uh, driving while high is in the alcohol context, you have BAC. We have all agreed that there's this magic number that if you're over this, you're deemed to be impaired. We also have these little breathalyzer gadgets. The officers carry them on the, in the vehicle. They have more complicated ones at the station, but it's we've developed this system of thinking about intoxicated driving as a BAC where you can get a number on the side of the road and use that to prosecute. There is no equivalent to a BAC when it comes to marijuana intoxication. We don't have any sort of rapid field test or any of the station that would give you that number quickly. Marijuana is metabolized at a much slower rate. Alcohol is a matter of hours. Marijuana is a matter of days. A person can have a discernible quantity in their system. That is to say, you would test positive on a blood test and have no effects at all in order to be able to think and have good motor control and so forth. So those problems make identifying folks that are intoxicated by marijuana difficult and then later proving that in court. So really, there's still a lot of questions out there. There are. Um, I anticipate that there will be a number of court cases. Those will be criminal prosecutions for folks, for example, uh, driving while uh, high, whether or not the officer's investigation, his field sobriety test was appropriate. There'll be questions about the licensure. There'll be questions about what of this can you get arrested for as opposed to just getting a ticket? Those cases will start to work their way through the court system. Uh, we'll be looking for appellate opinions, ideally from the Missouri Supreme Court, to give guidance about these various issues. You're looking at at least a year for something like that to happen. I, I'm confident those cases will come. I'm confident they will be litigated, and we will have answers. But um, here we are today. The amendment's in effect. Marijuana will be readily available in February, you know, at, at stores around the state. Um, and there are significant questions and gaps about how to proceed. So, you know, previously, as you mentioned, this was, of course, illegal, the recreational use. What happens to the laws that were on the books regarding that? So this constitutional amendment, it's a state constitutional amendment, it overrides all state statutes, everything in the RISMO and all city ordinances. But it doesn't make them disappear. You can still look up the old state felony for possession of over 35 grams of marijuana. So that's on in and of itself going to cause some confusion. There are ordinances and statutes that you could look up that unless you knew about Amendment 3, you wouldn't realize are invalid. Um, those need to be repealed. They need to be taken out. That will happen in time. Um, a, a related problem, though, is there is what I consider to be a gap in the quantity amount. So prior to the amendment, you had 35 grams and that was a felony. And then there was intent to distribute, which was a sort of an intermediate step. And then at 30 kilograms, you become guilty of second degree trafficking. Under the Amendment 3, up to three ounces is the amount you're lawfully allowed to have. Up to twice that amount, you can be punished only with a civil penalty. And it addresses first, second, third, and fourth offenses, but they're all civil penalties, not even misdemeanors. Um, so if a person has seven ounces, let's say, that is more than what the amendment contemplates. It's not clear to me what you would charge that person with. Um, you would be tempted to charge them with intent to distribute, which does not have a quantity trigger. It obviously is not second-degree trafficking, 30 kilograms. So in my opinion, one of the things that should happen is the General Assembly should enact legislation that 35 grams that we've had on the books for so long needs to be adjusted to something like seven ounces or eight ounces, some sort of intermediate crime between 
what I would consider to be a large sack, which you can now have, and like a pillowcase worth, there's some, there's a big gray area in there, and it's not obvious um, what that crime would be and in what level of crime and what level of punishment. But that certainly, uh, in my view, needs to happen um, because there will be folks who are going to be cultivating without a license. There will be people who will be possessing in excess of this allowable amount. And it's not obvious to me what that uh, crime should be or what the punishment should be. So along with all the questions that are involved, as you mentioned, with that gap, what about just the federal level and the fact that it's not legal from a federal standpoint? Right. So um, the federal government, the United States Code, defines marijuana as a controlled substance. It has for decades. Uh, and it is technically a crime under the under U.S. law. Uh, the Justice Department and the FBI do not actively investigate those cases or prosecute them. If you have 100 pounds, the DEA will come and look at it. But Rather, it's more important in the civil context for the purposes of the audience for this presentation. There's federal drug free workplace acts, and these laws require that there be no drug use in any part of the federal government or any entity that contracts or receives money from the federal government. As a practical matter, virtually every city in Missouri would qualify under that definition. They received ARPA money, they have grant money, they have some sort of federal um, funding. And when you sign on the dotted line, inevitably in that contract is a requirement that the city or entity obey this drug-free work act under penalty of having your funding uh, removed or diminished. So what that means is, is if you're a government entity, subsidy, um, so let's say a city, all of your city employees are obliged to follow this, which means they cannot use marijuana on the clock on the job. And that includes medical marijuana, recreational marijuana altogether. Um, and so while it may be legal under Missouri state law for a person to, for example, eat a gummy that's got THC in it, you can't do that on the job if you work for the city anywhere. Um, and this isn't academic. I mean, I would describe the federal possession law as sort of academic in nature. This is not academic. Um, the feds are serious about this. It's a contractual obligation that every city has, and you are imperiling your funding. So this is not something to be coy about. Uh, I do think, though, that it makes it easier for HR departments and the folks that concern themselves with personnel handbooks and manuals. You might imagine, well, should we allow folks to do this? We let them have a cigarette on their coffee break. They step outside. But on this point, you can clearly say no. And there really isn't any discussion about it. Um, you're not entitled to an accommodation if you're taking it as a medical matter. Let's suppose you have a totally legitimate medical problem and you're treating it. Even under those circumstances, you still are not allowed to do it in the workplace. Um, there is some discussion that the federal law will change. The president has changed um, the federal government stance. He has uh, not pardoned, but sort of um, assisted some folks who had these on their records. But uh, at this moment, as I'm talking to you, it is still a federal offense, and it still will trigger a federal drug-free workplace act uh, consequence if a city is found to have violated it. Well, that's good to know, because I imagine that question has come up a lot. So let's talk a little bit about how this affects law enforcement. As this progresses, more Missourians are able to purchase coming up, you know, as soon as next month. Uh, what do law, uh, law enforcement officers need to worry about? So, and this is really my, one of my focuses as a municipal attorney. I do municipal prosecution. I work with police departments in a number of cities. Uh, as I said before, I mean, the first big challenge without question is going to be dealing with marijuana-induced intoxicated driving. Um, the 
the situation with alcohol has been has benefited from a decades of testing their scientific research, their procedures that are taught that are uniform in all police departments. And there is a, a, a recipe for how to handle a drunk driving stop. And every officer knows how to do that. And it's been litigated, you know, for decades. And it's a very reliable, very straightforward approach. Um, and so, which is good because officers do that on a near daily basis in some communities, you know, 10 times a day. What they're going to find is, is we have a person who presents with different physical symptoms than alcohol, and they're going to suspect that they're high. They're not going to be able to rely on their breathalyzer machine to get, to get a number. Um, they're going to do their field sobriety testing that, but in the, in the context of marijuana does not have the same level of scientific verification and authentication that we would look for in alcohol, um, you're really going to have to get a blood draw in almost every single case. And that's either going to be voluntary, sir, can I draw your blood, or we're going to do a search warrant. And that's fine. That is regularly done in no refusal counties. What that means is person is pulled over from alcohol intoxication. They refuse to do the breathalyzer. The officer will get a search warrant and go get their blood drawn. That is a process that most counties and cities do all the time. But it's going to become more common because a fair number of people do blow in the breathalyzer machine and there is no breathalyzer machine. Uh, I think conceivably you're going to need to get a search warrant in every single instance. Um, the amendment, no doubt contemplating that reality has a number of provisions about search warrants. You have to report to the uh, department of health and senior services. When you do it, there are limitations on the circumstances in which the search can happen. And, and so there's an increase in paperwork. There is a restriction under the circumstances that a search warrant can be applied for, that's going to make that process, which you're going to need to do a lot more now, more cumbersome and more problematic. Um, as an example, you have to tell the state when you apply for the search warrant. Uh, to my knowledge, there's no hotline. There's no way to do that. And you're going to be doing this in the middle of the night, you know, two in the morning on a Saturday. This is what, how this is going to work. Um, and so it's going to make Intoxicated driving case is more difficult. It'll make drug interdiction, and what I, what I mean by that is chasing drug dealers, uh, a more difficult task. Now, officers know about search warrants. It's part of their job. They do them, but they can expect to do more of them. They can expect it to be more of a hassle. Um, separate and apart from that, I think something that law enforcement and juvenile authorities are going to have to contend with is I presume there will be an uptick in minor use of marijuana. And I'm not necessarily talking about teenagers who presumably do that at a fairly healthy clip. I'm more concerned about much younger children. Specifically, we have re I have reason to believe that the edibles, will, which are now legal under Amendment 3, will be extremely popular. In other states that have legalized marijuana, that is extremely popular. You don't have the lung damage problem. You don't have the smell issue. The gummy bears, the cookies, the candy bars, whatever it is. Um, those are going to become part of Missouri life, just like there's alcohol in normal life. People have alcohol in their homes, and sometimes their children, you know, slip a sip. Uh, I'm concerned about much younger children getting into the cookie jar, if you will. Now, I presume parents will be responsible and careful about it, but uh, I just can't imagine that there won't be instances of, you know, uh, you know, I would hope not an elementary school child, but uh, someone smart is going to show up in school with with this stuff. And they're not necessarily going to know that it's marijuana. Um, marijuana is it, in edibles comes in a vast spectrum of strength. Um, 
people who are used to smoking what I would consider to be sort of regular dime bags of marijuana, you can get stuff that's 10 times more powerful than the stuff you smoked in the, the bathroom in high school um, um, at these uh, dispensaries. And I, and I fear that that will get into the hands of some children. So I, I think law enforcement, um, there will be other things. There will be folks that are selling without a license. There will be folks that smoke in public, no doubt. But the, the obviously the major concern is always safety. And so folks who are driving while high is going to be a big concern right away. And then, you know, small children potentially getting very powerful drugs. Now, again, this is marijuana. This is not I'm not talking about, you know, serious hard drugs. But, you know, these drugs are available in a potency that can cause very significant health problems, the kind of problems that would get you in the hospital. Um, and so that is uh, what I believe law enforcement uh, no doubt is worried about is the questions that I get and the kind of things that I think about in the future for uh, Missouri policemen. You know, in addition to law enforcement, city officials are concerned about, I mean, safety is always a top priority in discussions, you know, in a community. So our member cities, I know, have been holding discussions about this potential reality for quite a while. What would you most recommend to them as this becomes our, our new reality for 2023? So there, there are two things. The first is a great many cities have ordinances on their books that specifically prohibit marijuana use, paraphernalia use. And as I said, they are invalid as we sit here. Um, those provisions need to be removed and rewritten. Um, and and it's not it's not all or nothing. So, for example, um, the amendment says you are not allowed to smoke in public. The exact parameters of that, a city is free to demonstrate or to uh, define, rather, their own reality in terms of the time, place, and manner that marijuana will be used. Can you smoke it in your front yard? Can you smoke it near another building or something like that? Um, and so I think every city either is going to have stuff on their books that needs to come off, or conceivably they have no marijuana um, rules, and they should certainly consider doing them. Um, I believe, for example, a reasonable ordinance would be to ban um, using marijuana while driving. The, the act of consuming or smoking. Um, this is not addressed in the amendment. There is not a good RISMO directly on point, um, but that would be a good thing for a city to have. You see someone literally smoking, you know, marijuana while they're driving along. You don't have the BAC poor driving problem. You don't need the field sobriety test. Look, I saw you using this. That in and of itself is a crime. You know, you're in trouble now. So I would like to see cities take that opportunity for police departments. Um, and this is, I, I don't, I'm not trying to quibble with them, but I think there's a discussion between whether a city police department wants to be serious about marijuana or not. There are new hurdles. There are significant legal barriers. I, I, I believe that the amendment, it does so intentionally. And so I think it's not, I'm not saying that departments should not enforce the law. Of course not. I'm not saying they should ignore drug use, but this is going to become a much more challenging, difficult thing. If a department decides they do want to focus on this, they are they are concerned about it. I think the best thing they can do is send their officers to the drug recognition program that the Missouri State Highway Patrol puts on. It's a certification program for uh, officers with some experience. They teach them sort of advanced field sobriety techniques uh, to do the testing on the side of the road. They go through the kind of physical presentation and symptoms that are unique to various drugs. It, that doesn't mean everything's fine. It doesn't mean it's a silver bullet. But an officer that is a DRE, drug recognition expert, is going to have a much better chance in court. If a defense attorney is trying to argue that the traffic stop was invalid, 
that there wasn't sufficient probable cause or reasonable suspicion to arrest the person for DWI, uh, an officer that's had this training is going to be in a much better position to, you know, survive that attack and provide good testimony and secure the conviction that you're looking for. That program, like I said, is run by the Highway Patrol. Um, it, it's not for everyone in certain departments. It's probably beyond their means, either because of resources or personnel. But if a town does have, um, you know, a, a sufficient number of staff to send them off to that training and they want to be serious about it, I think that's uh, a, something that can be done today um, that will help them in, in that particular cause. Well, that sounds really helpful. Uh, something to definitely check out. I will find that and link to that in the show notes as well so that those listening can get more information there. And another thing we'll be linking to soon is an article that you're providing for our member magazine, the MML Review. And we'll have that on our website. The uh, Todd is providing an article for the March and April issue. So we really appreciate that. Uh, after it publishes, we also, I mean, we have a library of, of a variety of topics that affect cities, but our one-stop resource library has a section on marijuana. So we hope people will, uh, that all of you listeners will be able to go check that out and find statutes and webinars, more articles and links. So, I mean, Todd, this is just super helpful. And as we close out today, I do like to ask each guest what they love about their city. So some good news here after hearing about some of the scary things. What do you most enjoy about where you live? Well, again, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about this. I think it's very interesting. Um, I, I do make a little disclaimer, as I say. Uh, the opinions that I give, this is my best guess about what's happening, mostly based on my experience as a prosecutor. But uh, cities need to remain vigilant and attentive, particularly to what the league is putting out. These court cases that I talked about are going to happen. We will be getting guidance. We'll be getting more concrete understanding of what the amendment is and that's going to be coming you know it'll trickle out but it's 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 going to be a moving target about how a lot of this is going to work on a, in many different areas not just you know driving it'll be in the employment context and the in the reg, in the registration context so regulatory context excuse me so I, I think that uh, it's the beginning of a conversation but not the end i live in, in jefferson city and i know that it is cliche but i really like being in the middle of the government and politics i I, my office is on High Street, the same street the Capitol's on. Uh, it's it's just kind of fun. I'm, I'm a government nerd. What can I tell you? The governor goes to the local coffee shop. Uh, I saw a Supreme Court judge at Jimmy John's. I mean, it's just fun to be in the middle of stuff. You see legislators all the time, lobbyists, uh, the uh, dinner table conversation, the water cooler conversation in Jeff City uh, often winds up on the front page. And so for someone like myself who likes government and politics, it's very, very exciting. So. That's what I like about living in Jeff City. I think most folks that are involved in government or the legal profession here would agree with that. Well, thank you very much. This is super helpful information, and we look forward to learning even more in your article. We just really appreciate your time today. Very good. Thank you so much. We're glad you joined us today for the Missouri City View podcast. Be sure to leave us a review in your favorite podcast app and learn more about the Missouri Municipal League at www.mocities.com.